There's a big-time football game towards the end of the Tennessee football schedule that I don't think myself nor anyone else has really given enough credit to. I'll state my case here on a Friday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your Friday edition of Locked On Balls. Locked On Balls, a part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And of course, it's your team as the Tennessee Volunteers, your go to Tennessee Volunteers podcast each and every day. As always, thank you for making Locked On Balls your first listen and watching on YouTube, subscribing to the channel, making tremendous progress. Uh, just under, just shy of about, I want to say about 70 ish uh, subs, maybe, maybe 60 by now, the time you're listening to this. Uh, to 3,000. So trying to get our goal of 3,000 before kickoff next week, and I think we're definitely, definitely on pace to get uh, there as well. So got a fun show coming up here on a Friday. Uh, Going to get back into our scouting reports. Only two more left, and after today, only one more left. We'll probably hit that, get that out of the way on Monday and then focus on game week the rest of the week because, of course, we are less than a week away, six days away until it's football time in Tennessee. Back to the scouting report, we're going to talk about South Carolina here in segment number one, and then really, really excited, going to welcome on from Talking Vols, Boogie Bentley. Um, he and I have kind of kind of sparked up a little friendship here, and I know a lot of you guys watching and listening are, are happy about that. Uh, he's going to come on for segments two and three, talk about his podcast, his start in YouTubing and and uh, podcasting, and of course, we're going to talk Tennessee Volunteers, so it's going to be a fun show. Hope you enjoy, pull up a chair and stick around, and uh, really, really do appreciate you guys for uh, tuning in to today's show. Before we get uh, started, today's episode brought to you in part by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. All right, so let's get into it. South Carolina, and I, I, you know, I'm not trying to blow this out of proportion. I think Tennessee is a better football team than South Carolina. Uh, Tennessee beat South Carolina 45 to 20. Tennessee put up 30 points on South Carolina in the first quarter last season on a defense that I think was probably better last season than what it might be this year. Potentially, we'll see. Uh, we'll get into that here in just a moment. Um, I, I think this is a game that I don't think twice about. I think Tennessee wins. However, as we mentioned on Twitter Tuesday earlier in the week, uh, one of you guys asked, and I appreciate the question because it was a solid question that sparks conversation today as well. Is there a game that we're all just counting as a win that maybe might be more of a toss-up than anybody's ever kind of thinking about right now? And I think that that's perfect for South Carolina. We know Pitt's a toss-up. We know Florida's a toss-up. We know LSU's a toss-up. Uh, we know Kentucky's a toss-up. We assume LSU's or we assume South Carolina is going to be a victory, um, and I think it will. Don't get me wrong; I do think it will be. But they've got they've added some nice pieces, and that team played inspired football last season under. Uh, Shane uh, Shane Beamer. Listen, you know, Shane Beamer, uh, it's hard not to like Shane Beamer. He does give off some used car salesman uh, vibes. He does give off some early year Butch Jones vibes. I recognize all that. But uh, everybody listening right now, if you're a big Tennessee fan, don't even act like you weren't bought in with Butch Jones earlier in the season. That's how it all early in his tenure. That's how it always works. You're bought in, you're bought in, you're bought in, you bought into Pruitt. And then when things go sour, you turn. And I'm not, I'm not, point the finger i'm not accusing anybody i'm just saying that's how fandom works that's not just at tennessee that's how it works every everywhere as well and so that's just kind of how it goes but it's kind of hard not to like shane beamer um i heard him speak at sec media days last football season i was like man I, he, he's definitely a coach's son he says all the right things 
He knows how to speak in front of a microphone. He has a point and a message he's trying to get across, and he did it in a really nice way. And I liked him. I liked hearing from him and speaking to him a little bit at SEC Media Days this past summer. Um, what impressed me the most about South Carolina in Shane Beamer last season was how his team played for him. A lot of times, first-year head coach, it's all with Tennessee a little bit. Tennessee played for Josh Heupel, played inspired football, played good football. I wouldn't say South Carolina played great football, but they finished with the same amount of wins as Tennessee did a season ago with seven wins, went to a bowl game and and all that as well. Um, so we're going to get into this matchup. I'm going to give you the scout on South Carolina. I have this as a Tennessee win. I'm not budging, okay? But let's see what South Carolina looks like at the end of the season. Let's see where Tennessee is at the end of the season. As we know, South Carolina example right here last season got better and better and better each and every week. Week 12 of the season, game number 11, the second-to-last game of the season. Tennessee kicks off two road contests uh, with South Carolina to end the regular season. Of course, we'll play in Columbia and then go over to Nashville and play uh, against Vanderbilt to conclude the season. This comes on Saturday, November the 19th, of course, to be determined on kickoff time and television destination. And um, last season, Tennessee had a 45-20 to win in Knoxville. Tennessee jumped out to a big-time lead early in that first quarter, and South Carolina decided to play a little catch-up ball, but it was way too late by the by the end of it there. 7-6 uh, and six was the record for the Gamecocks in 2021. Shane Beamer now in his second season at the helm, and the reason things were such a challenge for South Carolina a season ago was because South Carolina went through four different starting quarterbacks in 2021. Uh, you had a graduate assistant quarterbacks coach who had a playing career and I'm forgetting his name, and I apologize, and I'm forgetting where he played. Uh, but I was rooting for him last year. He he was in there, spring practice, coaching him up, first part of camp, coaching him up, and injuries to the QB room and said, oh, I better come in there. And he, he started the first couple of games of the season and uh, did about as well as he could for a guy that was not conditioning all offseason whatsoever uh, to continue to be a player. And so um, Luke Doty, who's been a starter in parts of the past two seasons for uh, South Carolina should be the backup now, but he came on and and once he got healthy, he kind of finished uh, played the duration of the season towards the middle of the last half. But he should be the backup. Why should he be the backup? Well, South Carolina upgraded at the quarterback position by bringing in Spencer Rattler of Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler, remember him? He was anointed the Heisman Trophy before last season even kicked off. He was the Heisman favorite. Why? Well, in a shortened 2020 campaign, Spencer Rattler, who came in for Kyler Murray. Uh, who Kyler Murray came in for Baker Mayfield. They just keep churning out quarterbacks down there in Oklahoma. Uh, threw for 3,031 yards and 28 touchdowns in 2020. Remember, 2020 was a shortened campaign, and he still threw for over 3,000 uh, yards in 2020. So there was a lot to like about Spencer Rattler. He still completed uh, passes at a high percentage, um, but he started making some mistakes. Started, I feel like the pressure of Oklahoma with Caleb Williams coming up kind of got to him. And he lost his starting job to Caleb Williams, who now is with uh, uh, with uh, Riley um, over in uh, Lincoln Riley over in Southern Cal now. So it's funny how things work out. But Spencer Rattler, I understand the the frustrations from a lot of people. Um, I, I think he is a little overhyped, obviously, but he is without a doubt an upgrade. And when he plays to his potential, he is a guy that will play in the NFL. Again, I, I don't know if he'll start. I don't know if he'll be a phase of a franchise. Uh, but he will likely be in the National Football League. He is a tremendous upside. He's got all the intangibles, and he can spend it. So they, without a doubt, South Carolina upgraded at the quarterback position for the season of 2022. Uh, this is an offense, though, I mean, the 13th in the SEC, second to last to Vanderbilt, 22.6 points per game. 
They only ran for 135 yards per game. That was 11th in the SEC. Average only 3.7 yards per carry. Wasn't fantastic. Wide receivers, Josh Van is returning 43 receptions, 679 yards. Jaheim Bell returns 30 receptions, 497 yards, five touchdowns as a tight end. And then, of course, coming with Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma is tight end Austin Stogner, who should add a, a bolt to that uh, passing game as well. And then if, if South Carolina can get something out of Antoine Wells of James Madison transfer, at James Madison in 2021, get this, 83 receptions, 1,250 yards, and 15 touchdowns. He will not have those numbers in the SEC, but if you can get some good play out of Antoine Wells, that passing attack could really be something with Spencer Rattler uh, under center. The entire offensive line returns, but there's a caveat there, of course, because as I mentioned earlier with the rushing attack, 11th in the SEC a season ago, you got to build on that. Marshawn Lloyd was the backup a season ago, comes back 64, yard, 64 attempts, 226 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. They also added, again, Shane Bieber did a nice job via the transfer portal this offseason. Added Christian Bill Smith, the leading rusher for Wake Forest a season ago, and Wake Forest a good season. 131 attempts, 604 yards, and seven touchdowns. So the rushing attack should be better for South Carolina this season. Defensively, 175 yards given up on the ground, over 4.7 yards per carry. That was not good whatsoever, and it really overshadowed how bad they were against the run, how good they were against the pass, and 180 yards uh, surrendered through the air um, per game. That was third best in the SEC, but one of the worst rush defenses in the country and in the SEC a season ago. Now, a lot of times I would say, why throw it when you can just run it all over them? And, and that's a good point. And so some of the sometimes those stats can be skewed. However, I will say this, the secondary had 15 interceptions a season ago. So they were pretty stingy against the pass, but they were also getting takeaways. So I think we need to give South Carolina's secondary and defense some credit in that regard. Sure, they could be, get run all over, but there is something to that because they were such a good takeaway team a season ago. Um, linebacker Brad Johnson returns. He was second on the team with 73 tackles. In the middle, they get back Sherrod Green. He only played three games a season ago because he had a season-ending injury. On the defensive line, Zach Pickens is a guy that's experienced. He had four sacks last season. They need to get some good play out of Jordan State Stackham, uh, the Georgia State transfer, where he only had 23 tackles and three sacks, but they need to get some good play out of that transfer. I mentioned the secondary, second best in the SEC with 15 picks. Uh, they returned safety R.J. Roderick, 64 tackles. Cornerback Cam Smith, three interceptions, 11 pass breakups a season ago. And likely another safety in that defense is transfer from Central Michigan, an all-conference safety in Devonnie Reed. So that's the scout on South Carolina. One more note on South Carolina before we turn the page and talk to Boogie here in a second. Big The placements of this game in the schedule. Keep in mind, the week before South Carolina welcomes Tennessee to Columbia, the Gamecocks play Florida. You know they're going to be tested. They might lose that football game. It's going to be a battle. The week after Tennessee plays at South Carolina, the Gamecocks play their biggest rival. It's not going to be a football game. It's going to be a bloodbath, in my opinion. But they're they're playing Clemson the week after. That's the game you get up for. That's Florida, Florida State. You know that's uh, that's Kentucky, Louisville. That's um, that's that's Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. That end of the season in state rivalry game, and so you know they're going to be up for that game. So. I, Tennessee's a favorite. I'm saying Tennessee can win, but I'm still saying that could be a trap game for South Carolina, meaning they come off an emotional loss potentially against Florida, looking ahead against your biggest rival the next week, and you still got to play this high-powered offense 
in Tennessee. So not the best placement on the schedule for the Gamecocks. Uh, nonetheless, that uh, that bodes well for the University of Tennessee. So that's the scout on South Carolina. I'm not changing my prediction. I think it'll be a Tennessee victory, and uh, but that's going to come late in the year. Week number 12, game 11 on the schedule. Hey, coming up next, Boogie Bentley of Talking Vols. Can't wait to check in with him. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, so stay tuned. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports, events at the number one source online for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they've got you covered everywhere. Head on over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn about all the latest trends and action happening right now. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. All right, guys, welcome back into it. Locked on Vols here on this Friday, less than a week until kickoff, less than a week until Tennessee takes on Ball State's. And we are, you know, head over heels, ready to run into this college football season. You spend all off-season long, all spring and winter and summer and the last little bit of summer and talking season. And then we finally get into it and it's it's over with before the a blink of an eye. So really, really looking forward to that. And uh, you know, something YouTube has taught me, you know, a lot of a lot of you guys tune in and, and watch and listen to Locked On Balls. And a lot of you guys also tune in and listen and watch to uh, the the Talking Vols podcast, and so that's how I've kind of come across my main man, Boogie Bentley, and I want to bring him onto the show. Boogie, what's up, man? This is a, a treat for both of our listening audiences. They love when I went on your show, so knew I had to get you over here. Absolutely, man. Love it. Glad glad to be here. Like you said, I love that you listen to the to the audience because they were pushing for it. You came on our show, good time, good conversation, and man, they really liked it. And now I'm glad to be here. G- glad to be on Locked On Balls. You know what? More than anything, I'm glad to be somebody's first listen of the day. Finally. Finally, I'm somebody's first listen of the day. I love it. I love it, man. Hey, I-, I think it's pretty interchangeable between our two listening audiences. And that's what I love, man. I mean, for like a week straight, I don't know I don't know what got the ball rolling, but you know, somebody they, they would DM me a little bit and then comment on the YouTubes and say, man, you, you got to go on Talking Balls. Got to go on Talking Balls. And I'm like, all right, all right. And then I saw you jump in there. I'm like, boom, there's a connection. And uh, we had a lot of fun last week, man. Uh, your live show was awesome. The interaction with your with your audience was fantastic. And um, and I do want to thank you. You know, we're we're doing this little push here. We've been on YouTube for I think we started in February, and less than a hundred away from three thousand. The goal was to get to three thousand before kickoff, five thousand at the end of football season. So we are less than a hundred from 3,000. And you gave a good push on your show, and I can't thank you enough, man. We we picked up probably a hundred subs in the last. Oh, I don't know, you know, six, seven days. Love it, man. Love it. And we'll continue to push. I'm going to go out on record. I'm going to go on record. When this airs, you're going to have hit 3,000. We're, we're going to celebrate. This is a celebration show. Shoot, that man, that'll that'll be a week before. Heck, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Sign me up for that. Uh, we're going to talk Tennessee, man. I, you know, I know you're a big-time Tennessee fan and, and, and all that, so we're going to talk expectations and what you think about this team and everything. But first, I want to go behind the curtain a little bit. Tell me about how you got into podcasting, how you got into – Talking behind a microphone. Um, obviously, anybody that goes on YouTube, if you're unfamiliar with the Talking Balls podcast, very successful. Make that your second listen uh, each and every day, uh, or your first. But make sure you come back over here and watch it, watch it, listen to me as well. But, dude, you run a tight ship. You guys do an awesome, awesome job. How did you get started, and and kind of kind of how did you get so successful? 
it's it's been success through failure. We were kind of talking about it right before we jumped on here. And, man, the channel's probably been around for six, seven years at this point. And it started as me and a buddy were going to just do gaming. We were going to get on, do gaming on YouTube. Through that, some other guys was like, hey, you got a YouTube platform. Let, let's talk about this or that. And it led to a comic book. And we say podcast. Like, we throw the word podcast around. Because at first, like, I wasn't using StreamYard. I wasn't doing live streams. It was all audio recorded. There was no video. And and I had a 200-run episode or 200-episode run of a comic book podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to some of the top people at Marvel great conversations I did a wrestling show and and it's like they never took off they never grew but through all of that failure I kind of learned the YouTube game and how to play numbers and analytics and all that type of stuff but in addition to that it's like I I watch other YouTubers and I try to sit back and, and listen and learn and what are they doing that's different and I'm nobody special, man. I'm just an East Tennessee guy. You know, we laughed when you were on my show about the Kingsport Mets, and I had the Kingsport Mets hat on. And it's like, I'm just a normal dude. I don't need to come on here and talk down to people and say, this is my opinion, this is what it is. And I was like, for the fans, by the fans. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan. My opinion is no better than the, the casual listener that's tuning into me. And I tried to create that atmosphere where the fans truly have a voice. And, you know, I just got off a live stream with, with my co-host Dauber, and we were talking about you coming on the show and, and how great it was. And I praise you because you listen to the audience. And that's the key. That's what I've learned from YouTube. Listen to your audience. Give them what they want. Give them a voice. And I feel like they truly believe that Talking Balls Network is where the fans go to to congregate. And I think that certain people in the media, certain people on the coaching staff, we've had the opportunity to be an affiliate with Spire Sports Group. I've had great conversations with James Clawson. Like, huge things. To just be a regular fan, and, and that's what I am. But the, I, I think the, the, the key is success through failure i I failed multiple times on youtube to get where i'm at now and i man i'm just blessed i'm happy i love interacting with people it's it's been a great ride man and just to be on here with actual media people and and building relationships i love it man i love youtube it's a great platform yeah it's taught me so much man and i was so it's so funny like you know, everybody listens to me knows that I'm, I'm super busy and I work a couple of different jobs and everything. And, you know, through it all, uh, I'm super blessed. It's so much fun. Um, it, it's gosh, it beats working a, an office job or something. But um, I, I put off YouTube for the longest time. You know, the network locked on was pushing YouTube. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there uh, just because it was another step. And it was more, you know, in the process. And then about a month in, I'm like, first of all, this is fun. Second of all, the benefits of YouTube is incredible. And my, my director over there is like, dude, I told you, dude, I told you, I tried to get you on last football season. I told you. And so I am thrilled for this football season, but you, you said it right there a moment ago, listen to the audience interacting. Um, dude, I've met so many people. Uh, I know you've met people like this as well that are quote unquote in the industry. And, and I can't, I can't stand talking, you know, with the approach of talking down to somebody. I just, I just don't get that. And, and, there's something about our radio show in the morning at the sports animal that I love. I really feel like it's a family and, and that's only enhanced on this podcast. So I love the interaction and, and I'm going to take some plays out of your playbook to, to do even more of that in, in the future. So uh, really, really looking forward to that, but quickly we're going to get the balls. I promise, but your podcast, how many times do you go live a week? I think you go live one time a week, but how many episodes do you put out? You know, where can we find more of your work? Yeah. Talking balls network on YouTube, come over, give us a, a sub. We, we do, during the season is when business picks up, but it's like I was trying to figure out what can I do to engage with my audience 
and have this interaction when it's not football season. You know, I try to cover recruiting. I try to cover news, breaking news, all that type of stuff. I'm going to say I'm going to say this on your channel because I want people to hear it. I want people to hear it, then I promise I'll come back. So many people say that I rip off you guys at VolQuest, or I rip off 24-7 Sports, or On3, or whoever. You know why they say that, Eric? You know why they say I rip people off? It's because I give you credit. I say I... This I'm ripping the, it off. <laughs> right. This was yeah. in the practice report from Eric Kane at VolQuest. This is what AP said. So people yeah. say I just regurgitate that information. But what I want the Talking Balls Network to be is, hey, we're at the water cooler, and we're talking Tennessee sports. And, and if somebody read Eric Kane's practice report on VolQuest, let's talk about it. Nobody's going to sit in my living room, and I'm going to stop them and say, hey, 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 that's Brent Hubb's content. You can't share that in my living room. So that's what we're trying to do at the Talking Vols Network. But we go live during the season four nights a week. Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're playing NCAA 2013. We got a dynasty rolling. We play that game, but I also interact with the chat. We talk Tennessee football for three hours. It's not about the video game. It's about interaction with the fan base. Uh, Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, we do a fan call-in show. It's hectic. It's chaotic. People have come on my show with their shirt off. Because that's what happens when you let the fans run the show, but that's what we do. For the fans, by the fans, means something at the Talking Balls Network. Every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, that's our little bit professional show. That's where we kind of break things down. My co-host, Dauber, uh, Balls JP, uh, all kinds of people come on. We got kind of a rotating cast. And then the selling point of our channel is the post-game show. Every single game, within a matter of minutes after it ends, we go live, and it's therapy. When, when Tennessee loses to a team like Georgia State, we come together and we drown our sorrows. That's what we do. You know, I compare it a lot to The Walking Dead. Anybody that loved that show in its prime and maybe a main character dies and you're just sitting there in your living room by yourself and it's like, I just want to talk to somebody about this. <laughs> so you go watch Talking Dead and they break it down. That's what we do on the post-game shows. Very interactive. It's, it's the biggest selling point for our channel. If you don't like me regurgitating what Eric says or AP says or Brent Hub says, at least come check out the post-game show. I, I really think you'll dig it. All right. Well, first of all, in terms of regurgitating, regurgitating information, uh, it's a copycat league. You know, we, we all take and pick and kind of make it our own. But uh, I do it, too. I 100%. If you give credit to the person and or publication, yep. you are not stealing or copywriting or anything like play or plagiarizing or whatever. It's when people don't do that's when we have an issue. But I, I do it, too. I do it all the time. People listen to the show. They know. I mean, I, on yesterday's show, I talked about an article from Saturday Down South. I gave the author's uh, attribution and then the publication. That's how you do it. So anyone that says that, come on now. Let, let's move on. All right. We talked enough about you and your Thank show, you. which Thank is awesome. You. We're going to take a short break. We're going to talk balls. Your expectations, kind of what you see, impact players, all that and more coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. Boogie Bentley will join us. Here in a moment, as we continue on on this Friday show, Locked on Balls. Welcome back. Final segment of the week. Hope it finds you in good spirits. You're on your way to work. You're on your workout, taking your walk, walking your dog in the cubicle, blowing off work, having the YouTube channel open on another tab. Appreciate you guys. Never goes unnoticed. You could be doing literally anything in the world, literally anything in the world, but you're choosing to listen to Locked On Balls right now, making it your first listen, watching on YouTube. Can't thank you enough for that. We got our guy, Boogie Bentley of the Talking Balls Network on Talking Balls and uh, really enjoying our conversation with Boogie. We talked a little bit about his show. Go ahead and subscribe, give him a follow, support his work, and of course, support all of our works here on the on the YouTube channel. Uh, but now let's talk Balls, Boogie something flat out you asked me on your show last week i'm going to kick it off right here 
season prediction for Tennessee. I think you and I are pretty much in line, but what's your season prediction? You go game by game, you get an overall record, you, you have it. Floor is yours. What, what do you see with Tennessee here in 2022? I, I get a lot of heat for this, but we are we are very, very much in alignment on this. My, my season prediction is 8-4. It's been 8-4 and four for a while. Now, that said, does that mean Tennessee is going to win eight games? No, it doesn't. I, I think this football team could go out and win – 10 games, but will they win 10 games? And, you know, I've caught a lot of heat for some of the games that I call toss-up games. But when you look at the schedule and you break it down, you know, I see two losses. And I don't want to say guaranteed losses because Tennessee could go out, they, they could beat Alabama, they could beat Georgia on the road, but they've got to play perfect. That's what makes those games so difficult. you got to play flawless. Alabama, Georgia, they can come out, they can make mistakes. Their depth, they're so deep. They're so deep. Uh, they can make mistakes and still beat you. Tennessee cannot afford to make mistakes against a team like Alabama or a team like Georgia. So coming out of the gate when I'm talking about predictions, those are two losses that are going on my schedule. September, absolutely huge. September is so important for this football team. Pitt on the road. I like Tennessee in this game. And you've talked about it on Locked On Vols. Pitt has some talent. They're returning, what, their entire offensive line. They've got a lot of talent on the defensive line at linebacker. I think their secondary is absolute garbage. I think Hendon Hooker and this wide receiver unit, whether Brew McCoy's eligible or not, that's another conversation, but whether or not he's eligible, I still like Tennessee to go out, score a lot of points against Pitt. I don't think their offense is going to be able to keep up. I don't think you can replace a talent like Kenny Pickett. I don't think you can replace Jordan Addison, a Bolitnikoff Award winner. I don't think you can replace that. And, yeah, they added the quarterback from USC. I don't think he's Kenny Pickett. I like Tennessee to go on the road. But that's still a toss-up game. We'll get there in just a second. Florida, at home, it's Florida. Brent Hubbs, got to see it to believe it. It is what it is. But I like that Tennessee is going to be favored in all four games in September. They go out. They take care of business. You have an opportunity to be 4-0 going on the road to take on LSU, new coaching staff, it is what it is, but it's still LSU. It's still on the road, hostile environment. Uh, I, I think Tennessee loses that game, but for the sake of predictions, I'll still call it a toss-up. If Tennessee comes out of September 4-0, you like their chances to get to eight wins. And, you know, again, you talk about toss-ups, and I know I've listened to you. You've said almost word for word the same thing. For me, Pitt on the road, that's a toss-up. Even though I like Tennessee in that game, it's a mm -hmm. toss-up. Florida inside of Neyland Stadium. I like Tennessee in that game. It's a toss-up. LSU on the road. I think it's a loss. I'll still say it's a toss-up. That's three toss-ups. Kentucky at home. Toss-up. That's four. South Carolina on the road. We are in agreement with South Carolina. They scare me more than they scare a lot of this fan base. But again, your show, I think just Wednesday, I think you mentioned it. South Carolina, what I like about it, you said we're going to know more about them when we get there. So we'll kind of have an idea. Which which Spencer Rattler are we getting? Are we getting the head case or are we getting the guy that has a golden arm and had a lot of hype coming out of high school? Vanderbilt, that's a win. But you got a lot of toss-up games. So that's why I'm at 8-4 and four, because there's no way between Pitt, Florida, LSU, Kentucky, South Carolina, that's five toss-ups. There's no way Tennessee is going to sweep those five toss-up games. That's why I'm at 8-4. and four. Yeah, and there's no way they're going to lose all five of those either. I think Tennessee right. will go, you know, three and two at minimum in those toss-up games. I do think if Tennessee goes four and zero in September, I mean, unless the wheels don't fall off, I mean, you're looking at nine and three season potentially. So, uh, yeah, I, I see two games that are would be extremely tough to to have wins. Of course, Alabama and Georgia. Every other game on the schedule, I think Tennessee could win. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out defensively. Tennessee, I think, finished like 101st in the country or whatever. I mean, it was somewhere right around there. Um, 
more players in the secondary, more players on the edge. Uh, linebacking group looks to have more players are going to play more guys and uh, have some depth. You're, you're getting some good feelings out of that defense out of fall camp. What are you looking for in that defense? Who on that defense outside of Byron Young are you looking forward uh, to, to watch and maybe enhance their game here this upcoming season? Uh, the easy answer. It's all, it's all over every article you click on. The easy answer, they got to be better on third down. The easy answer, they got to get after the quarterback, right? That, that's yep. the easy answers to what this defense has to do. Who I'm looking forward uh, to seeing this fall, who I want to see take a step, is Juwan Mitchell. And it's a guy that came in last year, and, and with his media appearances, he said a lot of the right things. He talked about being a leader. He, he, he talked the talk, but he didn't necessarily walk the walk. And, you know, again, for the fans, by the fans, I don't know what's true. I don't know what goes on in that locker room. Did Juwan Mitchell truly buy in? I don't know. But what I do know is he was banged up. And I don't think we saw the true Juwan Mitchell. In hearing this coaching staff, hearing Brian Jean-Marie kind of praise Juwan Mitchell, talk about him being as healthy as he's ever been, I, I like hearing that from the coach. And, yes, I know sometimes, Eric, your media, sometimes they use you guys to oh, motivate. Yeah to motivate but the bottom line is i like hearing that he's as healthy as he's ever been i think if we get a a, a legitimate Jawan mitchell the guy that led texas in tackles i think this defense can take a step i like the depth at linebacker i like mm -hmm. the fact that you've got four guys in you know Jawan mitchell jeremy banks page and aaron beasley you know it's almost a blessing in disguise that aaron beasley kind of got trial by fire last year i like the depth there i like the depth at the inside linebacker position like you said the guys they've added in the secondary just more depth in general uh i like this defense to take a step but again the easy answers got to get better on third down and you got to get after the quarterback can by get after the quarterback tyler Barron, can he get after the quarterback what does the defensive tackle position look like i personally like dejon terry i think he's a guy that when he was at kansas and watching his film and hearing what that coaching staff had to say then he transfers in and now he's he's working under rodney garner i want to see him do something this fall solon page i guess would be the second because solon page the third is the linebacker in tennessee his father a listener of locked on balls met him a couple weeks ago really really nice guy so awesome uh, if he's listening to me he's probably listening to you as well so shout out to Mr. Page, if you catch this episode, uh, 100% coaches use the media. Yeah. Jimmy 100%. Callaway's name, and I think he's come along in camp. I think he finished camp really strong. Jimmy Callaway's name was brought up a couple of times early on in camp. 100%. You know, people, people's on Twitter, they, they, they know what's being said, they know what's going on. There was a press conference last fall camp. It was a Saturday morning. I'll never forget it because there weren't many of us there. And Rodney Gardner was set to talk with us, and it took him like an hour to get to the press conference because. You know, he was out there berating his entire defensive line. <laughs> and he, in a classy way, trashed Elijah Simmons to the media for 20 minutes. <laughs> and I walked out there, I'm like, golly, man. I mean, you know he's going to see that. And everybody's like, yeah, that's exactly. The yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. The All right, man, last thing. Uh, when you look at this team overall, uh, I, I, I got to ask about the, the running back situation. Um, I've spent tons of times talking about it ball quest locked on balls starting lineup on the radio and all that i don't think it's worth panicking over right now because you got four backs and i think um there's just so much unknown with half that room being true freshman dylan sampson justin williams thomas i like jabari small i love when he runs the football hinton hooker said the same thing uh yesterday or two days ago uh, i think jalen wright looks really really good has put in the work to be an sec top running back but at the end of the day, you got four guys, two of which are freshmen. How do you view that running back room? Lynn J. Dixon, of course, no longer on the team, man. He was my goal for him in my mind was like midseason. Can you can you get a couple of touches per game? He was so far off 
Um, obviously didn't work out, but I think it's kind of a concern there entering the season, the uh, running back depth. Yeah, 100%. I wish Lynn J. Dixon uh, would have stuck around because what did he have, two years of eligibility, I yep. think, with the COVID year? Mm-hmm. Like, why not, why not put in the work, stick around, and maybe this year's not your year. Like you said, mid-year, maybe you maybe you can make an impact, uh, do something for this football team, but then next year, what you would add. Because I think this coaching staff, when you talk about depth, running back in the transfer portal, linebacker in the transfer portal after 2022 is going to be a huge priority. But for 2022, talking about running back, I think it's just almost battered vol syndrome. Like you look at Jabari Small last year, just beat up the whole year. But going back to, what, what was it, in the spring he was beat up. And I remember, I think Hubs is the one that said it. Or it might have been AP. I don't know. It all, it all runs together. But the, saying in the spring that if this was an an injury that took place during the season, he would not be practicing. He would not be playing. That's how beat up he is when he's missing spring camp. He's just a guy that for the last year, it seems like he's been hurt. But guess what? Now he's healthy. Now he's bigger. He's more physical. I like the fact that they talked about not necessarily breaking tackles as much as armor. More more armor for, to, to try to stay healthy. But you just get scared because it is the SEC. Health is – that's the concern. If if this running back room stays healthy, I feel good about it. I like you said, I love Jabari Small. I love the way he runs the football. I love his attitude. Mm-hmm. I like Jalen Wright too. But it, it's a tall task. It is a huge ask for two true freshmen to contribute. That said, Jalen Wright still banged up, said he's going to be healthy for ball state. I would like to see a blowout in the first quarter, first half, get those guys out and trial by fire for Dylan Sampson and Justin Williams Thomas. Get those guys when that when when the bullets are real and when it counts, get those guys out there on the field. Because look, all the hype and buzz, it, it's it's for a reason. Those guys are talented and I think they've got a bright future at Tennessee. I just don't necessarily want to see them on the field as true freshmen. Dude, and they're good kids too, man. I mean, when you cover recruiting, you talk to these guys, they uh, one of my favorite things about covering recruiting and, and the more I'm, this is, I guess, technically year four, starting year four that I've covered recruiting, they, they, they know your face when they get on campus, they'll come up and talk to you, man. So, I mean, I talked to Justin Williams Thomas over on campus almost every day. Uh, saw Dylan Sampson. He walked up and stopped when he was with a group of people came over and talked to us, you know, really, really nice kids excited to see how they perform. Uh, last thing, man, the floor is yours. Anything else on Tennessee football that you're excited about that you want to see a big question you may have anything else is now we are, less than one week away until kickoff uh what else you got on tennessee football kind of closing remarks man it's go time it is go time i feel like once high school football kicks off it's full steam ahead you see youtube numbers start going up you see Mm -hmm. hype and excitement and me as a fan like i I miss jason swain i miss that morning show even though he's on the radio i miss knowing that he's gonna be there at eight o'clock and it's kind of for me personally it's like Okay, how how much am I invested as a fan? Am I listening to Swain every day? Am I am I getting on VolQuest? How many hours? How many hours am I spending on the GQ? Uh, but look, it's it's go time. It, we're here. But what I am so excited about this offense, and you know, people can say what they want. Last year, the numbers that this offense put up were were mind blowing. Like, nobody expected it. No, Everybody was counting Tennessee out. I got absolutely annihilated for predicting six wins last year, and then that's what they went. They went and got seven. And, and Hendon Hooker, knowing that this is his team, knowing that he is the leader of this football team, one of my favorite things was seeing in the scrimmage, him getting in that huddle and not just talking to the offense, him – him really getting after that defense. Let's go out. Let's be physical. Let's make plays. You guys get aggressive. And then it's kind of like offense, we know what we do. Break it down. And it's like, let's 
I'm excited. Hendon Hooker for Heisman in 2022. You heard it here first. I've been saying it for months. Let's make it happen. I think he has the capability to at least go to New York. With an offense like this, 100%. This offense goes, you're a top 10 offense in the country, is because of your quarterback. I think someone asked me over under 38 touchdowns for Hendon. I said, I don't know if they'll all be passing. They could be, but I'll take the over because he was at 36 last year. And he was he missed some time, of course, didn't start game one, missed half a pit, missed, missed a little here and there. I'll take the over there. I think Hendon's going to have a big season. Boogie Bentley, co-host of Talking Vols, a part of the Talking Vols Network. Dude, thanks so much, man. Let's continue to link up. Maybe not every week, maybe every other week. I on yours, you on mine over here on Locked On Vols. Let's make it happen. This is fun. And uh, I hope everybody listening and watching really enjoys it. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, – uh, the, the crossover and the, and the listening audience that really, really appreciates it. Yeah, 100%, man. Looking forward to uh, more collaborations as we move forward. Awesome, dude. Uh, hey, good luck on the season, and uh, good luck on all the post-game shows. I might have to tune in and catch one of those uh, while I'm walking out of Neyland Stadium. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, that is Boogie Bentley of Talking Vols. Awesome, awesome dude, and really, really appreciate him for uh, letting me come on his show and uh, come on over here to Lockdown Vols. Really, really great stuff. And again, I'm serious. Uh, you know, check out Locked On Vols, obviously, every day. Check out Locked On SEC, support the network. But also, check out Talking Vols. He and his co-host and the guys, they do a fantastic job. That is going to do it here for this edition of Locked On Vols, this week's worth of shows. Hey, guys, before you know it, we'll be back Monday, and it'll be Monday, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, and then it's kickoff for Tennessee. Tons and tons of content to get into, so you know where to come back. Locked on balls each and every day. Thanks so much for making it your first listen, your first watch. Don't forget to check out Locked On SEC. Make that your second listen with Chris Gordy. We'll talk again on Monday. Pull up a chair. We'll do it again. Enjoy your weekend, and stay safe, everybody.